welcome back to Gentle Man, redefining manhood in the 21st century. My name is Arjuna. I'm your host. Today, I want to talk about feelings. This is a complex topic for men. Many men struggle to feel their feelings. It's one of the core issues, really, and core wounds that men face. And it's so important as well. I think men learning how to get in touch with their feelings and articulate them and be honest with themselves around their feelings and men being able to basically have a lot more emotional maturity is really one of the keys to being a human being who's able to enjoy your life. When you're numbed out, when you're deadened from everything, not only does it prevent you from feeling difficult emotions, but it prevents you from feeling wonderful emotions as well. So emotional numbing, apathy is one of the most brutal places where men get held up. And I think that the results are disastrous. So anyway, let's start by getting into it. Where does it happen? Why does it happen? When does it happen? Men are really socialized from birth to suppress their feelings. We get this early on. It starts with boys don't cry. That's really the message. So usually the socialization begins right from the get-go with parenting. And what you'll notice is even when children are infants, this is even before they're really able to understand language, you'll already start to see boys and girls get treated differently by their parents when it comes to emotions and the showing of emotions and reassurance. So let's contrast the messaging that girls tend to get versus the messaging that boys tend to get. Girls tend to get more leeway with their feelings. And so the messaging they'll tend to get from their parents is, it's okay that you're feeling what you're feeling. I'm sorry. It's going to go away soon. I know that it hurts or I know that it's uncomfortable. I'm here for you and I'm going to care for you until it gets better. Now, that's obviously coming from a very caring parent there, a very involved and caring parent, but that's usually the flavor of the kind of reassurance that girls get from their parents. Now, contrast that with the flavor that boys get. Boys usually get messaging such as, tough it out, kiddo. It's okay, you can handle this. Even from a young age, they'll say things like, be a man, you've got this, don't worry about it. And oftentimes, they'll even get compared to another sibling, say an older brother or a cousin, someone at a later developmental stage where they'll say, look, your brother can handle it, or Jimmy's tough, he's not crying, you don't need to cry either. And so the difference in the messaging is just really stark. Whereas girls get a lot of validation for their feelings and a lot of understanding and a lot of empathy for the way that they're feeling, boys frankly tend to get gaslit. They tend to get told that what they're feeling isn't as bad as how it feels to them. They shouldn't care as much as they do about how they feel. They shouldn't be feeling what they're feeling. And there's also this undercurrent of if they are authentic to how they feel, they will have a loss of their parents' love or a loss of their parents' esteem. And so that's a really heavy amount of pressure to be getting as a young child, let's say you're a toddler, let's say you're at a developmental stage where you're barely able to even cognify and understand what it is that your parents are saying to you and you're already getting this messaging of you need to feel differently about your feelings than you want to feel right now. 
So I think it's important to really stop and take in the gravity and the severity of how that lands for a young boy. It's devastating. It's totally devastating to that boy's sense of feeling safe in the world, that boy's sense of feeling understood, and that boy having any chance of feeling comfortable being authentic or feeling comfortable being vulnerable, feeling comfortable having feelings that feel embarrassing or challenging and having any trust that those feelings are going to be accepted, welcomed, understood, and validated by other people. Another reinforcement we get is that if boys do cry, then they're called girls. And so the cultural assumption is that women get to have feelings and men don't. Now, that's an oversimplification, of course, but the bird's eye view is that women are allowed to cry they can, they can cry and still be women, but if men cry, then they're no longer men. They become women. That's, that's the implication. So when you're a child, when you're a little boy and you start crying, then your peers call you a girl or a sissy or pansy. That's where it starts. And then from there, there's a lot of this macho, grown male propaganda around how tough men are. And a big part of being tough is not showing your emotion. The implication is that you're not feeling any. So if we look at a lot of these iconic male role models, the John Waynes of the world, the Dirty Harrys of the world, Rambo, a lot of these action heroes, they feel nothing, really. And that's kind of marketed as cool. Or even the image of cowboys or the Marlboro Man, the images of men in the Wide West. It's a different kind of macho man, but it's an equally unfeeling man. You know, they're men that say little, presumably because they don't have any feelings. So there are all of these images that reinforce men being strong and cool and ultimately manly by not having feelings. And I think a lot of the reason for that is that when you have feelings, you tend to open yourself up to being vulnerable. Let's say you get hurt and it, it makes you feel in that moment like you're kind of vulnerable, you're weak, you're thrown off your guard, you're not totally in control. That's when those difficult emotions come up of crying, feeling sensitive. Feeling vulnerable or sensitive is not weakness, so I, I want to be clear there but it's equated with weakness. And certainly if you are feeling any amount of weakness, then those difficult emotions are kind of a, a way that that gets expressed. It's this equating of having feelings with weakness. And then that in turn, uh, it, you know, gets put up against the patriarchal gold standard that men are strong and they're not weak. And so in order for men to keep their manliness and to be respected as men, they have to hide their feelings. This tamping down of feelings and hiding is really the root of a lot of male evils and the root of a lot of men doing bad things. You know, when you're suppressing a massive and vital part of your feeling self, you're really denying yourself. And that denial doesn't disappear. Those difficult feelings that you're not having, they don't disappear. They just wait. They just sit around and they wait for an opportunity to come out. 
And so unfortunately, what happens is that men will sit on difficult feelings for a very, very long time, and then they'll come out in some concentrated and negative way, like maybe a man will have a really angry outburst, or maybe a man will do something violent, lash out, or maybe a man will do something really self-destructive something really dangerous. You know, I think sometimes men's daredevil tendencies can come out of that need in the deep unconscious, the deep subconscious of the psyche to get in touch with that intense feeling. Or another thing that manifests often if men have strong feelings that they're not expressing is that they'll just try to medicate them out. Maybe the stoic thing isn't working well enough and those difficult feelings are still coming up or they're still seeping out. And then men will turn to substances and they'll start abusing substances. And then what starts to happen is if men are using substances and then their strong feelings are still coming up and seeping out, that's when we get really bad stuff. You know, that's when you get abuse, this next level of really horrible behavior and, and horrible cycles of self-loathing and addiction and abuse. I really believe that men's inability to be honest with themselves and to have mature adult ways of getting in touch with their difficult emotions, it's just responsible for so many of the horrible things that happen to men and that men end up doing to other people and in the world. So I want to take a moment as well to talk about, in addition to suppressing difficult feelings such as sadness, anger, grief, insecurity, and shame, suppressing your feelings can really stifle the fuller enjoyment of your life as well. Because when you shut down your ability to feel, you also shut down your ability to feel joy and your ability to feel happiness and connection with other people. So there's a lot of collateral damage that goes on there as well. You end up with men who are they're just kind of cold and cool and stiff, and they can't loosen up. They can't show all of themselves. They have to maintain this cool exterior. And a lot of men talk about this. A lot of men report feeling like they live in a box or like there's no room for them. There's no room for their experience. There's no room for them to move around to express themselves. And it's very likely because they've had that beaten out of them in their lives. You know, they've had other men in their lives making fun of them for dancing or being giddy as a child, made fun of them for just being themselves, really. There's so many ways in which kids ridicule other kids for the ways in which they are themselves. And so, you know, what you end up with is regimented adults who have these limited and flattened experiences of life and who end up really stunted. They're really emotionally stunted. And this happens to everybody. There's a particular flavor that men get which allows certain emotions and doesn't allow other emotions. So men are, are more readily allowed anger, for example, whereas women are more readily allowed grief. And so oftentimes what you'll see is, is when a man starts to feel his strong emotion, it will often come out as anger because it's one of the only ways that men can feel strong emotion and not lose face as a man. It's one of the reasons men are so quick to anger. It's if a man is feeling overwhelmed, if a man's feeling backed into a corner or afraid or stressed out, he's just a lot more likely to blow his stack 
than he is to break down in tears. So feelings, they're really hard. It's a hard one for men. And I just want to relate to you a little bit of my experience with my own life dealing with feelings and then take you through some examples of how I've learned to work with my feeling self. I was a very passionate child. I had really strong emotions and strong feelings. And I was very loud and I took up a lot of space in my childhood. I had a lot of feelings. I remember it. You know, I'd get really passionate. I'd laugh a lot. I also cried a lot, got really angry. I, I really had the, the full range of emotions. I moved to the U.S. and as an immigrant child, it's difficult being an immigrant. You're always an outsider. And so these walls went up and I had to protect myself and I, I um, had to be more careful about my conduct and, and how I spoke because anything I said in my accent or anything, any way that I was different could be fodder for punishment. That was a big thing that happened in my childhood that really made me start to hold back who I was as a person. And then in my teen years, you know, my, my mother passed away right when I was entering into my teen years. And so that was really devastating. And I think that's when I really started to lock away my, my deeper feelings. And uh, I, I started to dissociate. If you're unfamiliar with the term dissociation, it's where you lock away parts of yourself in a very tangible way to prevent them from harm. And it it's often happens during and after trauma. And so dissociation is this feeling of being absent either from your body or maybe your awareness goes away. There's some part of you that disappears sometimes. You might not even notice it's happening. You might just kind of space out. And so I started exhibiting dissociative behaviors. I was really avoidant, spent a lot of time by myself, locked in my room. Life was too much for me at that point. You know, I was really overwhelmed. I would say in my adulthood, I've really been one of these men who has, I've retreated into my head a lot. I like the world of ideas. I like using my mind. I like just problem solving and getting stuck in problems. And so that's kind of a lot of how I've been in my adult life is just very focused on projects and always had my face in a book or researching something or building something. And it wasn't until my late 20s that I really started to discover just how emotional of a person I am. And I mean, basically what happened was that I kind of had a nervous breakdown. I think I'd just been holding in negative feelings my whole life and, you know, had a number of traumatic things happen to me and hadn't gone to therapy and just hadn't really learned any of the tools of dealing with that. And so eventually they just kind of came spilling out of me and I, I started to have an emotional nervous breakdown. That was the first time in my life when I started going to therapy. Therapy was really crucial. It was the first place where I really started to develop a skill set of feeling my feelings and working with them. 
And I'll tell you, it's, it's hard. It's not easy when you're going from a life of not feeling your feelings to suddenly having them come up and, and bring them forth. It's really challenging. It can be really overwhelming. And it reminds you why you've been suppressing your feelings all this time, because it's really uncomfortable. Feelings are uncomfortable, and it's no wonder that people lock them away. I had all of these negative feelings come up and uh, it's a bit surreal like when you start dealing with it it feels weird because you start noticing how the feeling that you're feeling is not lining up with what's happening in your real life i remember i would have these experiences of being at work or just going about my daily life doing something very normal and all of a sudden i would be overwhelmed with a feeling that really had nothing to do with what was going on in my life right now if I stopped and got more into it and felt into it, I would discover that it was some trapped feeling from decades ago in my life that had never been expressed and that had never gone anywhere and just stayed with me all of that time. And it, it felt weird. It's like you're transported through time. And it can be hard to talk about it with other people too, because oftentimes they, they can't relate. You know, they're like, oh, well, that happened to you in your childhood. Like, that sucks. Kind of weird that you're feeling it right now. You know, nothing I can do about it. There's a lot of that that you get, and it's really not very helpful. So it can be really confusing, and it can be really overwhelming. And it's, it's really not surprising when you think about it, because if you've spent decades, you know, the first three decades of your life or more, you know, some people don't start this work until middle age. So if you spent, you know, your entire life not feeling your feelings and all of a sudden you start to feel them, it's a huge backlog. There's just so much there, you know, and it feels messy and it feels icky and it feels kind of festering, you know, because it's kind of gross. It's like you didn't clean the closet when you should have. You didn't address that thing when it was fresh and now it's kind of rotten. It can be really hard. It can be really hard. And it takes incredible courage. I mean, when I think about the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, every single one of them has been emotional in nature. Every single one of them has been addressing or facing something with somebody else, sometimes alone, but often, often with someone else, that's really where the rubber meets the road. I can remember times when I needed to talk with someone about a really intense emotion that was coming up for me and just sitting in my room for 10 minutes, pep talking myself like, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to go and have this conversation. It's terrifying. It's just utterly terrifying. Opening up to someone and showing them your most vulnerable parts, showing them the parts of you you feel most ashamed about, the parts of you that feel like your weakest parts, the parts of you that feel the least human or the most broken are devastated. I can't think of anything more courageous than that. Showing up honestly and courageously to be real and to be yourself, even at your worst, is really what it is. Let's talk a little bit more about how do we get there? How do we start to access our emotions. For me, there's really two steps to it. So the first step is making space for it. And when I say space, I mean both physical space 
and time space in your life. Uh, if you're going to feel your feelings, and especially if you're going to do it in a way that feels productive, then you need to create a space that feels safe. It's going to be really hard to get into difficult emotion if you don't feel safe. The other reason physical space is so important is that you need to not get interrupted. If you have concerned friends or family or neighbors, that can really get in the way and interrupt an emotional process. And especially if your emotional process might have some intensity in it, then you might also need to take space just so that you don't end up hurting anyone else or just so that you don't get arrested or something for being a crazy person. It's really important to first step, just find a space that feels comfortable and safe and like you can go through your process in there however long it takes and not feel worried that you're going to run out of time and not feel worried that you're going to get interrupted or misunderstood or judged or that you're going to be unsafe. So a safe space that feels secluded enough, maybe even your car. I mean, a lot of people, their car is the place in their lives they have the most privacy. Maybe driving out to somewhere that's kind of remote can be a really great place to take yourself to begin a process of getting into your feelings. The next step with getting into feelings is having curiosity. And I think this is really important because feelings are strange. They're often not what you think they are at first. So as an example, anger is a feeling that often has another feeling underneath it. It'll often have sadness or fear or frustration or unmet needs behind it. And so when you really start to get into those foundational feelings, you discover that there are very different emotions that you have, which have resulted in your feeling anger. And anger is kind of the way that it starts, the way that it starts working its way out. Feelings can really, they can take a twist and a turn. I mean, you can really feel crazy as you're going through your feelings. Sometimes you'll laugh unexpectedly. You know, sometimes you'll switch from laughing to crying and back to laughing. Sometimes you'll just feel something really weird will happen. Maybe you'll have this intense sensation of leaving your body, or maybe you'll feel moved to start shaking or making weird noises, making some strange gesture with your body, or maybe your face wants to do something really weird. Giving yourself that kind of a space, the space of curiosity to let yourself see what comes out of you when you really start to feel your feelings. It can surprise you. It really can. That's really important. So once you have the space and the curiosity, the allowance for whatever's going to come up, then it's nice to have some kind of a, you know, a methodology, a place to start. For me, what often helps is just breathing. I mean, it's kind of cliche advice at this point, but it's really true. You know, breathing is really a great way to get into your body and to really focus on what's going on right now and to calm yourself. Breathing just does a number of things that are really helpful in feeling your feelings. So breathing, maybe closing your eyes if that helps you focus. Um, sometimes it doesn't for me. Sometimes I'll actually keep my eyes open because when I close my eyes, it, I start to dissociate or my mind starts to wander and it takes me out of the present moment. And when you're feeling your feelings, you really need to be present. Even if the feelings that you're having are from decades ago, you really need to stay with them. And it's feeling them in the present moment and being very present 
with how they feel is what allows you to process them now. So breathing and bringing your awareness into your body is very important. Most emotions are stored somewhere in the body. And most emotions leave the body and reach expression and completion via the body, via some kind of, whether it's crying or moving your body in a certain way, punching a pillow. There's some kind of a physical embodied action that usually facilitates the processing of that emotion and the release of that emotion. Not only are you feeling your emotional feelings, but you're feeling your physical sensations in your body. It's really key, especially since a lot of the things that rob us of our emotions also rob us of our physical sensation. The uh, dissociation that I was talking about earlier is really a classic example. Oftentimes, you'll, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. You just leave your body. Once you start doing this, I can almost guarantee you that something's going to come up. Now, if you need some help getting the party started, there are a couple of good things you can do. One of them is to bring your awareness to something that's really, something that really triggered you or upset you. Maybe you had a, you know, a bad interaction with your partner or your boss, or you're feeling stressed in some area of your life. Just bringing to mind something that, that you already have a feeling going about can be a really great place to start. It's a lot easier to go with that than to just go with, how am I feeling? I have no idea. You know, it's, that's kind of a difficult place to launch off from. Another thing that can really help is picking something that you already know gets your emotion going. Even for those of us who don't feel very much, there's, there's bound to be something in our lives that does kind of activate us. So examples could be a movie, Maybe there's one movie that always gets you going, makes you tear up or makes you feel excited or have a response. You're looking for that thing that, that really gives you a response, that thing that consistently changes your mood. Another thing that can really activate your feelings is thinking about a loss in your life. Maybe you had a pet that died and you had strong feelings about that. Or maybe you lost a family member and you have strong feelings about that that can be a great place to begin as well. Sometimes it's even, you know, starting with a, a good feeling, maybe a memory you have that fills you with joy or that fills you with love. The common theme here is that you're starting with something that already makes you have a feeling because feelings often go together. When you start feeling one feeling and really getting into it, giving yourself space, other feelings will often come up and come out. So whether it's watching a movie, music, listening to a song that is emotional for you, that can really be excellent. Just looking at a photograph. These are all examples. You ultimately have to find what works best for you. And, and once you start doing it, and experimenting, you'll really start to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And it's very personal. It can be the weirdest thing. It really can. Maybe it's making a food dish that your grandma used to make. Once you start this process, it's, it's kind of a wild ride. I'll tell you about some things that I have done personally that have helped me to feel my feelings, just to give you an example. One thing that I used to do a lot that I still do occasionally is that I would find myself in bed not able to sleep because I had racing thoughts or maybe I was having a bad feeling that I was kind of grinding on. 
and I would go out and take a walk because walking is excellent for me. It calms my nerves and no matter what it is I'm feeling, I usually feel better after a walk. So I would go out walking and I remember one night I was walking down a hill and I was really mad. I'd had an interaction with the person I was dating that really upset me. I was feeling annoyed. I was feeling pissed off. I was kind of overwhelmed. I didn't really know what to do. And I was walking down this hill and I really felt the weight of my feeling on me, like on my shoulders. And as I was walking down the hill, I just had this, it had this feeling of release. It was like this spontaneous release. And I just started crying and walking and I kept walking. And so there was something about walking down the hill that just, it got my body and my psyche. It just aligned the stars for me in just the right way that I was really able to feel my feelings. And so since then, I've done this a number of times where I'll go out walking and walking up a hill or down a hill or even not. Just, just walking along, I would just summon back that feeling of having that weight on my shoulders and kind of carrying it and walking with it, and it would release. So that's one example. And it's also, again, you know, walking late at night can be pretty good because unless you live in a really dense urban environment, you might have some privacy as well. But again, you know, you have to do the things that work for you and make you feel safe. So another example was I was going through a period where I was experiencing a lot of anger and I knew that I needed a way to manifest my anger and I didn't know how. People in general were done a disservice most of the time by not being shown productive ways to deal with our anger. And so unfortunately, oftentimes our anger gets suppressed and then it comes up in unproductive ways that hurt or scare other people. I knew that I needed some kind of methodology. I was reading a book by Haruki Murakami, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. In that book, the main character has this long period of the story where he has a baseball bat and he does various things with this baseball bat and it features in the story. And that really captured my imagination. So I went out and got a baseball bat and then I needed to figure out what to hit with it. You know, you've got a bat. It's a great tool for expressing your anger, but you need to figure out what you can do with it that's not destructive or hurting yourself or other people. So fortunately at the time I lived on a property that was doing a lot of farming and we had this huge mulch pile and so it was perfect. It was just a perfect thing. I could hit that with my bat all day long. It wasn't hurting me and it wasn't hurting anyone else. And so I would go out there in the early morning and I would just lay into the mulch with the bat. Whatever the anger was I was feeling, I'd just channel that into the mulch pile. Sometimes I'd swear, I'd verbally take it out on the mulch as well. And sometimes I'd even throw myself down on the mulch and have a tantrum beat it with my fist and kind of thrash around and basically be like a toddler. And you know what? It was weird. It was super weird, but it really helped. It really helped me to work through my anger. A third example I can give you is that I started dancing at a certain point in my life and I was doing a form of dance called ecstatic dance. That style is really focused on free form. It's really focused on just doing whatever you want, moving in whatever way you feel personally moved. It's a lot about self-expression and there's no wrong way to do it. And so again, oftentimes when you see people ecstatic dancing, they look kind of weird. And it's just because they're giving themselves full permission to just move in whatever way they want to. So when I started doing this dance, 
all these feelings started to come up for me. I did a lot of hard grieving on the dance floor with ecstatic dance. And it's not uncommon in that form. And so people don't, you know, it's not a big deal. You'll fairly regularly see people having different emotions with ecstatic dance. So that was just another place that I found in my life where I could get into and explore my feelings. A lot of people get into yoga and they talk about how yoga can really be an avenue as well. They'll get deep enough into their practice and old feelings and emotions will start to come up. Whatever it is, I just think it's so important to be in conversation with your feeling self and give yourself the space and the permission to go into your feelings. I promise you it is worth it. I promise you. As long as you're careful with it and as long as you go into your emotion in places and times and spaces where you've made an effort to keep yourself safe and to keep other people safe, it will pay off. It really will. So there you go. Feelings. Good luck with feeling your own feelings. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.